Thank you for your warm welcome. And I welcome uh, the visitors here. After the church, feel free to talk to any of us. We will, we will be glad to answer your questions uh, from the biblical perspective. If not, we, you can come back and talk to us again. We'll, we'll try and find answers for you from Bible. Okay, so this morning, um, I thought of uh, studying Re Revelation last chapter and I, I said to myself, no, that's not for me. I leave for scholars to read <laughs> and <laughs> talk to you. I said, let me go back to the basics um, of Christianity. Um, so for this morning, I have uh, chosen a um, very familiar passage to all of us that is from uh, New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses from 17 to 17 to 34. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses from 7, 17 to 34. Panchi, uh, Simon and Elaine, thank you for the worship songs and the worship songs that you have chosen to play today, they, they actually are related to the, related to the t topic that we are going to discuss. Um, so today's um, Bible, uh, Bible teaching is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is a familiar, fam very familiar passage that is Lord's Supper. In some places it is called Lord's Table, in other places it's called Holy Communion. Most of us um, uh, are, are very familiar with uh, with um, confirmation class. I don't know how it is called in Catholic tradition or any other tradition. Uh, if you come from Anglican or any Protestant background, the, the people say that it is a confirmation class. Basically, every youth, uh, not, the, not, not children, but the teenagers mostly, uh, and they, um, and the adults, they go and attend a two weeks class. It depends on the church you belong to. In the two weeks classes, they, uh, I mean, the, the priest will come and teach you very foundational things about Christ, Christ's death, resurrection from the biblical perspective, and then there will be a question and answer session. At the end, uh, he, uh, you have to answer uh, some of the questions that will be asked by a priest, and then you will be given a Holy Communion when you actually believe what was uh, taught during that uh, time. So this is in you know, an Anglican tradition. Some uh, churches like us, uh, what we, we generally emphasize is once you know Bible, once you know Christ, once you, we accept Christ as personal savior, you are ready to uh, take Holy Communion. Um, in some places they do it methodically, in other places they do it uh, you know, differently. Um, we are not going to go deeper into those things. We are going to dive straight into this chapter. Um, I remember years ago, um, Queen of um, England uh, said something like that in her Christmas message. Lord, I don't have anything I offer myself. That's what we, we uh, sang this morning on the songs of worship. So, Lord himself, Lord Jesus Christ himself set an example before he asked anyone to follow. So, he himself, although he was a God himself, he came into the human form to sacrifice for the whole world. So, we will have hope in, 
in Christ and we will have life, life with him at the end of uh, the world. This Corinthian, uh, um, the letter to the Corinthians in Paul, when he was writing it, uh, writing to the believers in Corinthians, actually the believers uh, had a lot of issues. This is one of the churches, they, they, there are a lot of troublemakers. So, because this church, like our church or any other church nowadays, was multi-denominational back then. A lot of people from Greek culture came in. They brought in a lot of uh, Greek philosophies, not only Greek philosophies, Greek, Greek practices. Of course, they had also brought in lovely Greek food as well. But the food uh, didn't um, help them to understand Christ, but they actually needed uh, the spiritual food. Therefore, Paul decided to pen a beautiful letter in response to the practices that was contrary to what the apostle, apostle doctrines established. So one of the issues here um, is a, a disorder in, the whole, in observance of Holy Communion. That's what we're going to study. Whenever we, we take Holy Communion, we read the verses from 27 onwards. Let's examine ourselves and then we partake communion. But the first part, we, we, we don't necessarily uh, read it. Um, see, if you read the verses from 17 to 26, this actually tells us what's going on um, in this church. Basically, um, the Greek people and other people, a, a combination of uh, uh, all, all people in there, that brings in all people of walk from different lives. For ex uh, um, they had rich people, they had poor people, they had working class, they had scholars, they, you, know, you name it, whatever it was. So what happened actually was um, the people in the church, rich people, those who have everything, brought in food because back then the practice was they had ch church service like the way we did it, but we do orderly. Back then they didn't do orderly. This was an issue here. So they brought in food, and then at the end of the uh, at the end of the service, they ate food, uh, and then they finished the uh, service with holy communion, just to remember the Lord's sacrifice. So what happened here was the rich people brought in food. They didn't wait for uh, other people, including poor people in the church. They all uh, helped themselves. They didn't bother others. So that was a real problem that Paul saw, because as 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 the scripture says here in this uh, portion. Some people went home hungry, and other people, they were like drunk people. Um, so they're drunk, over drunk. They didn't, they didn't leave any, any drink for uh, other people at all. So some people say that because of this uh, portion of scripture, we are allowed to drink. Uh, look, guys, I'm not going to go deeper into this um, argument, but remember what Jesus said when something was given to him? He denied it because the Bible scholar be uh, believed that the thing that whatever was given to him, uh, um, given to Jesus on the cross, had some alcohol content in it. He didn't drink it. When Jesus turned the wa water into wine, he didn't drink. So we are not going to deeper into those kind of things. But Jesus wasn't drunk. Paul wasn't drunk. But although Paul himself said later in in the in the portion to his uh, young colleague Timothy that take some po uh, portion of uh, wine because of the melody. Maybe that was a practice. Even uh, when you walk into a chemist, for, for example, if you want to uh, get uh, cough syrup, nowadays the cough syrup comes with tiny percent of alcohol that is medically is not going to harm you. That's not going to stop you uh, at the checkpoint. So it doesn't give you license that you have to drink the whole bottle. So let's 
leave that um, thing and then come back to the uh, issues here. So this was one of the issues. And then Corinthians was very well known for sexual immoral immorality. So this, this church, as I mentioned just before, had a lot of troublemakers. So they brought in a lot of troubles into the church. They stirred up a uh, lot of uh, issues into the church. So Paul, when he was in Ephesus, when you read uh, Acts chapter 18 and 19, you, you come to know that when Paul was in Ephesians, he received a troublesome news about the Corinthians church. Therefore, he decided to write few letters to Corinthians. According to the Bible scholars, what we have, first and second Corinthians, um, there were also few other epistles uh, written before. Bible scholars say that there are four letters written to Corinthians, but for some reason, the other two letters were not found, only these two. Um, this, is, this chapter also further goes on to talk about uh, the love, actual love, um, and, and so on and so forth. So this is the problem here. So how did Paul um, answer the uh, questions here? So basically, he was trying to point out one thing to Corinthians was coming to church is nothing but worshiping God with fellowship. Koinonia, we all are familiar with the word koinonia. That means a fellowship. We all come together in oneness to worship God, to serve people. So that was the only aim Paul had it in mind when he was writing to Corinthian church, when he was uh, um, dealing with this issue. Let's compare. Um, uh, we are going to go forward and backward with some of the scripture portions here. I hope you will not be tired at the end, uh, end of the sermon. I'm not going to go back for an hour, so I'll try and finish maybe within 20 to 30 minutes. Please bear with me. Um, so let's compare First um, Corinthians chapter 11, 17 to 21, for, uh, with Acts chapter 2, verses 40 to 47. We are comparing 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17 to 22, with Acts chapter 2, verses 40 to 47. So when you, when you look at verse 17, it says that um, the get-together was not uh, for uh, uh, better purposes. It, it was getting worse. And then 22, 22, it says that they were eating ahead of others. They didn't wait. Let the poor people go hungry, and another one, another, and some people were drunk. Now let's go back to Acts chapter two, verses forty to forty-seven. If you look at these verses in Acts two, forty to forty-seven, it's completely opposite. What they did, the apostle and the people, those who came to Christ, they were all worshiping together. So in forty-one Acts chapter two, forty-one, they they gladly received the word. They have patience to receive what has been uh, spoken. And also they continue steadfastly in the doctrine of apostles and they, were, they had fellowship. Plus they have breaking of bread in prayer. And, the fort, and, and 43 onwards, if you see it, all things in common, they sold their possessions, divided them as they needed. And they ate food gladness with simplicity of God, praising God. So this is what actual church uh, was doing back in uh, Acts. This is a kind of, you know, the first uh, gathering of, of uh, believers in a house. They were worshiping together. They were sharing together. The, they, they, imagine, you know, if, if, if God appears to me in, in dream, 
tomorrow or whatever day and, and, and tells me, John, you have to leave, you have to sell all your possessions and then go and minister in China or North Korea. The question is, will I do? But what we see here is it's amazing. All these people, when they came to Christ, the first thing was, it's not about themselves only, it's also about others. They sold their possessions. They, they brought everything to, to apostles. It was shared equally among, uh, among people. And also the Bible goes on to say that it was shared to the people, those who are in need as well. What a contrast. But this order wasn't followed in Corinthians church. That's why Paul decided to write a letter uh, with the response, how to be orderly. Whatever the Corinthians were doing wasn't correct, wasn't um, agreeable to the um, early church that apostles um, established. I don't know how many of you had uh, watched the video that I put it up on a few days ago about a Christian who became Muslim and then realized that what he was following wasn't right, so he came back to Christian faith. If you haven't, if you have time, please go, uh, go back and watch it. It's on our uh, WhatsApp, uh, our church WhatsApp called Connect. And also I have put some um, bullet points about today's teaching as well. It's there on the Connect WhatsApp as well. Feel free to go back and read, meditate. If I'm wrong with anything else, please come back and fire me next week. Not literally. Come back and uh, say it to me. I'm happy to correct it. So, um, so this is the problem. Now let's go into the institutions of uh, institution of Lord's Supper. Well, that means how to uh, do it orderly. That's what Paul is um, talking about it from uh, verses 27 onwards in First Corinthians. So what does um, Christ Christ's death reminds us? Let's uh, see the constant reminders, uh, constant reminder from Christ's death and resurrection. Every, part, uh, you know, every time when Easter comes in, we gladly celebrate Lord's death and resurrection. That is the time most of us you know, think about why do we uh, follow Christ? What is the significance of Christ's death and resurrection? It is very, very important nowadays because Christ's death and resurrection is one of the most disputed, argued concepts in the whole world. Many scholars, many believers argued back and forth what was amazing was many of them who denied Christ's death and resurrection came to Christ and then they were preaching uh, a Christ that is risen. Um, I also put up one, um, one photo on the connect that uh, it's called um, Evidence of Jesus' Death Outside of the Bible by um, J.W. Wallace. This guy is very interesting. He's an American guy, uh, uh, working, uh, used to work for FBI. Um, he's in, in local time, if you want to say, this guy is uh, someone like uh, Detective Gardy, who investigated a lot of cold case murders. So he was an atheist, although he was born in a Christian family. He became atheist and then he found Christ, then he came into uh, Christian faith, and then he started uh, using his own experts from the forensic science into the biblical, uh, biblical uh, principles. And he wrote some books as well. There, there are some books available online. There are some interesting books for kids as well. If you are interested, you can buy and give it to you know, your children who, who is curious to, 
know what's in the Bible and things like that. So he, he says uh, on one of the videos that I watched that there are a lot of evidences uh, outside of the Bible to show that Christ died historically, Christ's resurrection happened historically, and also uh, there is evidence to say that the darkness that fell uh, at the time of Christ's uh, death was also recorded. So if you look at the, cha uh, um, the photo that I put it upon the group, it has you know, different uh, non-Christian author, uh, authors who recorded or who documented Christ's death as a historical were all classified, so you can go back and, and, and see it. So this is uh, the really encouraging to us because uh, in a scientific world, a detective guardy uh, who came to Christ, and now he is using the same principles of the forensic uh, sciences into uh, finding out the uh, uh, finding out the historical background or any background to prove to the world that Christ uh, actually died and rose again. Very interesting. So, if you want to watch his videos, you can watch it. Uh, and then make, you can make up your mind. It's very, very interesting because my um, the job that I do also has some connection to that uh, field as well. So that is very interesting to me. So let's see, what are the reminders that we learn from biblical perspective? First thing is, as, as 1 Corinthians 11, 26 says, we proclaim the Lord's death. The most important thing that we do, uh, that we do is when we take part in Holy Communion, we proclaim that Jesus Christ came into the human form. He died for all of us. And then, if you go further into uh, books, uh, New Testament chapters, Hebrew 10.10, 10, it talks about Christ's sacrificial death once for all. We all know that in, in Old Testament times, a lot of uh, uh, goats and sheep and uh, and different animals have to be brought in when somebody has sinned against God. So that animal has to be slaughtered over and over and over again. Uh, that tradition still continues in the Middle East as well. But Christ, when he came into the world, he said, old things are passed away, all things are becoming new. Now I came right in the place of the animal sacrifice just for you, so uh, you and me. So Christ sacrificial death that happened once for all is enough for the forgiveness of the whole human 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 beings so that's in uh, hebrews chapter 10 10 book of hebrews is uh, very interesting sometimes it can be boring if you if we don't pay much much attention to it when i read it i didn't understand and, and read it over and over again uh, with prayer and with commentaries and few other preachings i it is it is becoming uh, uh, clearer and clearer now so i'm not a scholar but I, i'm still learning it like anybody else hebrews is one of the book that has a lot of internal evidence to show that christianity is true Christ is above angels. Christ died for us. Christ died f for all of us once for all. So we don't need any sacrifice. It goes on to say that uh, Christ's death, Christ is the only mediator. So we don't need to go to any priest or anybody else for confession. Of course, you can go and say to priest or elders or anybody else that I have sinned. What they can do is they'll point out to Christ. That is the point. So these, there are a lot of internal evidence available in the book of Christ to show the superior, superior, superiority of Christ and the Bible. 
Next uh, is Jesus is true wine. So when we partake Holy Communion, uh, especially the cup that we partake, that reminds us that Jesus Christ is the true wine. That means it's a secret of fruitful life. We all remember when Jesus uh, uh, wanted to eat some fruit from a fig tree on his way back to some place, there was no fruit. He, he cursed the tree and then the, 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 the tree died eventually. So what it says to us is once we know Christ, it's our time, you know, we, we need to take time to read Bible, ask questions, and then go and talk to uh, people that they, they, they came to Christ well before us, ask the, uh, ask the doubts, help them to understand and our role is to reflect Christ in a fruitful way. That's what Jesus is true wine in John book, John 15 chapter 1 and 2. If you read John 15 1 and 2 it says that Jesus is true wine. The, the chapter goes on about the secret of a fruitful life. Next is Jesus is the living bread. That is again said in uh, John chapter 6 51. Bread, we all, we all love bread. I don't, I don't think nobody hates bread unless you are told not to eat bread because you're allergic to wheat or something like that. Every country has bread. Bread, you know, bread comes in different form. So Jesus Christ is the living bread. Uh, one of the interesting cha uh, verses uh, about you know, the Lord himself uh, of how he sustained Israelites in 40 years is in Deuteronomy chapter 29, Verses, um, verses from 40 onwards. So Deuteronomy chapter 29, what it says is 40 years, the Israelites were wandering, uh, wandering in the desert. Their sandals were, the sandals didn't wear off. Imagine we go, uh, go to sketches and every year we keep on changing sketches or whatever footwear. Imagine when God is sustaining you, you don't need to spend money on on footwear or anything like that. The Bible goes on to say in the Old Testament that their clothes were brand new and things like that. It's interesting, you know, when you put your faith in Christ, he is the one who is the author of life, who gives real source, uh, of, uh, real source of life. And the most important thing Paul says in this letter is, do not forget the poor. We are known for, as Irish people, in this country, we are very well known for charity. Uh, as I said to many times, you can go back to the history and, uh, and, and check it out. Mother Teresa, who was trained here in Rathfarnham, who went to Calcutta to serve poor people, and Amy Carmichael from Northern Ireland, who came to rescue uh, children uh, from, from, from the southern part of India, and then Wellesley Bailey from Athlone, who came to India to open uh, leprosy, leprosy home. So things like that. We are known for charity. Even when you do, when you did, or when, when your children are going to do transition year, we send our children to char you know, charitable work and things like that. So we are known for um, helping out the poor. Let's uh, continue to do that. Um, so again, uh, when you look at the uh, look at some of the Bible verses, uh, like. Um, Matthew 25, 35 to 40, Jesus is talking about, you know, uh, looking after the poor. And then Mark 12, 41 to 44, Jesus is talking about, you know, um, Jesus is talking about a poor widow putting all the money. She didn't, she didn't even care for it. So Jesus was praising a poor widow for her own sacrifice. And Galatians chapter 2, 10, James 1, 27, these are all the chapters that reminds us that we shouldn't be forgetting the poor. So when we partake communion, 
we therefore are asked to remem uh, remember the poor as well. That's what Paul is talking about uh, in the church here, because as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, the rich people didn't wait for poor people. They ate themselves, they drank the, uh, themselves, leaving the poor. So we'll never forget the poor. That's one of the things um, that the Holy Communion uh, reminds us. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 19. This is very, very important because we are worshiping a God who is true, who is living, although we can't see now, hopefully, as, as we sang a few minutes ago, either we will see him above or when he comes down, we will all see him. So we have hope in Christ, not only in this world, but the world to come. That's what in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 12 to 19 says that, what an amazing God. So these are all few, uh, few reminders from the biblical perspective that tells us that when we when we partake in Holy Communion, we need to first of all self-examine. Then we need to remember all these things like whenever we partake in Holy Communion, first of all, we proclaim the Lord's death, which actually happened historically. And then it, we, it also reminds us that Christ's sacrificial death once for all, we don't need any other sacrifice. Jesus is true wine and is a living, living uh, bread and we should not forget the poor, and we have hope in the life and the life to come. We are nearly there. So. so what we are going to do before I finish is, um, I'm going to do it a little bit different. Um, so as soon as uh, we finish, I would ask Rufus to pray. And then we will um, take the elements, uh, bread and uh, juice. And then we will all uh, going to sing, uh, Are You Washed uh, in the Blood of Christ? And then we will take Holy Communion. At the end, again, Rufus will pray for us. Okay, so finally. The book of Galatians. When we look at the book of Galatians, why was it written? Paul has written to uh, the Gnostic, um, uh, Gnostic people, those who came into the church, to disprove that Jesus wasn't a real human being. Jesus was, you know, between uh, between uh, between human being and something else. You know, like the way nowadays the scientists uh, go against the science that you know that, that kind of thing. So, book of Gnost, uh, book of Galatians was uh, written specifically to dispute the Gnostics back then. Now, the Muslims, uh, our Muslim uh, friends, they equally agree with you and me that Jesus Christ came into the world. He was born a virgin. Uh, he grew up. He performed a lot of miracles. Uh, they also claim that there are a lot of miracles that wasn't recorded in the Bible. They say that Jesus performed it. That's okay, no problem. And then they say that Jesus went all the way up to the cross. Now, this is where the problem comes. And then Muslims believe that Jesus went to the cross, but he didn't die. He was replaced by somebody else. So this is where the huge difference is. When you talk to Muslims, they'll be very uncomfortable. Um, 
you know, the video that I put it on the Connect website, if you listen to that video, the man who was Christian and into uh, Islam and then back to Christianity, he says, uh, at the, I think at the end of the video, that the Quran actually didn't explain properly why Christ, you know, why Christ didn't die. So he discovered that that explanation wasn't given in, in, in Quran. So if any Muslims uh, come to you know, argue with you, don't lose your plot. Just send this video. This is one of the videos. There are many people who were Muslims, now Christians, after reading the Bible, because the Holy Spirit who reveals them through biblical words, and a good few of them had dreams of Christ coming in, uh, coming in and then saying that I am, the, I am the only God. You know, there are many things that you can Google and find it. So always remember that Christ, I know that you are all Christians, some of you are older than me, this, uh, the, the portion that we discussed today is just a reminder that our God, who is Jesus, is a real person who came into the world, who died for us, who rose again, and he is going to come to judge the world, and he is going to give us a, a beautiful home where there will be no tears, no diseases, no illness, nothing like that. We will be with Christ forever and ever. All glory to God. So, let me read the portion and then I'll ask Rufus to pray and, um, uh, and then after praying let's all go and take the elements as we sing are you washed in the blood of Christ we'll all reflect do self-examination and then we'll partake it at the end of the song and then again Rufus will pray for us okay let me read first uh, Corinthians from um, 27 onwards Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, and sick mock you, and many sleep. For if we, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come to gather for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come.